All right, so two stories that didn't make the top five stories today, Josh. You ready? I am ready, yes. Tiger's back. What is this event that he's playing in? I thought the golf season was over. We're in that little in-between. It's about to start revving up again. Okay. But this is an actual PGA Tour event? What is it? I have no – you're my golf guy. I have no idea. You think – I'm not paying attention. I'm to on golf. vacation, dude. Give me okay. a break. I'm on a golf vacation. I'll be back in a month. Okay, all right then. Um, T- Tiger T. I just saw it on the Action Network. So Tiger Woods is taking part in the Genesis Open at the Albany Golf Club this morning. Tony Finau is your leader through three. Tiger Woods just teed off at 10:52 a.m. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is. Uh... Pretty sure that's a legitimate event. Okay. Hero World Challenge, right, is what they're they're playing in. Is that right? Hero. I'm sorry. Did I say Genesis Open? Yeah, because that that's on the far left. It's it's the Hero yeah. World Challenge. So yeah, this I'm is a this is not uh, this is not a legitimate PGA. Event. Okay. It's, it's sort of a showcase, but a, a number of the the best golfers uh, in the world take part of it. I want to say that. Tiger had a hand in uh, golf, folks out there. I want to say that he had a hand in kind of initially putting huh. this event together. As you can see, it's not in our top five stories today because I know nothing about it. Yeah, we're we're not educated. Sorry, I I am I am just I'm all in on offensive coordinator talk, and and Big Twelve championship game talk, and then the other thing that didn't make the top five stories today that I do know a little bit more about. Do you see, feel how you want about Sports Illustrated after the reports this week, as someone that works on a website and you work really hard, Josh, and putting together stories. I'm sure you had to feel some sort of way with the fake writers, the AI-generated articles from Sports Illustrated this week. What? No, I, I didn't see. I guess they just they've they've been. So this has happened on the high school side, I think, too. Oh, really? It's just basically like it gets the information and it just AI writes a story. Yeah, yeah, that's and then ugh. and not, then not they also the well, but they also created fake names for these people did you not see oh my gosh this is why i figured you would be hot about this not only did they have ai stories that were written but they had created like personalities oh my gosh yeah ai generated and, and gave them a website and gave them i think even a twitter feed is uh i mean is that legal no it's not they're in big trouble but i will say it's got to be a form of fraud right oh yeah they're in big trouble but in that same vein, they still have the magazine. So today, they have announced their SI Sports Person of the Year. And it is Dion Sanders. Dion Sanders. That's a good way to uh, work your way out of uh, any sort of hot water. Just, just get back on the Dion Sanders train. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, let's hit the top five stories of the day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107, newcastlecasino.com. Here we go with big story number five. Number five. All right, Josh Helmer. How cool is what the University of Oklahoma is doing with the basketball game tonight? McCaslin Fieldhouse, 
students. Should be a raucous environment. Arkansas Pine Bluff coming to town. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. This is a really good team. They're starting out 6-0. and They've got a big game coming up against Providence on Tuesday inside the Lloyd Noble Center. But what a cool way to really get the students fired up and involved in what I think would be one of the coolest venues for, for OU men's basketball inside the historic McCaslin Fieldhouse. I think you just do this every year. You know, I mean, when uh, did they do this last year? It was a couple years ago. And it was a couple years ago. Because I remember the last time we talked about it, uh, didn't we find out it was like 12 years ago? We were like, oh, wasn't that last year? And then well, it was- that's just not too long ago. And then it's like, oh, that was uh, a really long time ago when they actually did it. All of which is not a very efficient way to get to the point that I'd like to see this become an annual occurrence. I think it's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, the, um, the game against Arkansas Pine Bluff tonight at 7 o'clock. It'll be the first regular season game played in the Fieldhouse since, yeah, just a couple of years ago, 2012 on New Year's Eve when they played Texas A&M Corpus Christi. They played like an exhibition game in there too, so don't. It wasn't. It was. It was more than just 2012. But yeah, six and zero on the season should be fun. Arkansas Pine Bluff Solomon Bozeman is their head coach. They come in at four and four on the season. They've got a stud. They've got a stud in Milton. He averages about 20 points per game, so it'll be fun to see Oklahoma battle UAPB tonight, but even cooler that it's inside McCaslin Fieldhouse, fourth game the Sooners have ever, ever played against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And then after that on the schedule, you got the Big East, Big 12 battle, Providence coming up, and yeah. the Crimson and Cardinal Classic versus an Arkansas team that knocked off Duke. Ooh, yeah, did you watch any of that last night? Excellent game. Well, that gets us to big story number four. Number four. Excellent game inside. See, I still want to call it, uh, oh, uh, what was the name of the of the arena for Arkansas before it became the uh, Bud Walton Arena? Okay, we're not going anywhere. Arkansas old basketball arena. Hold on. We're not doing anything on this program. It was called – it's the Bud Walton Arena now. Mm, this is going to kill me. We're not Barn doing Hill it. Barnhill You beat me to it. Because they used to call Reunion Arena, and we went there in 1994 for the NCAA tournament whenever Reunion Arena was still around, Josh. It tells you how old I am. And they called it Barnhill Arena South. There's only one barn in college basketball, and it's, of course, at Minnesota where none of you are watching. That's right. But last night, last night, the Arkansas Razorbacks got it done, and they beat Duke inside Bud Walton Arena. Two seconds, one second. It is over. It is over. Arkansas wins it. Here they come. Duke trying to get off the floor, and they are rushing. Hope Duke the floor at Bud Walton Arena. Arkansas wins at 80-75. to 75. This is one of those Razorback moments. <laughs> He's right. He's right. It's got to be one of the biggest wins for the Arkansas Razorbacks at home in a long time. But every so often they get one of those matchups. You're like, hey, that's pretty cool. Arkansas 80-75. to 75. Also, Josh, we did have another one of those top 20 matchups. I remember Miami-Kentucky two nights ago, and it turned into a blowout where Kentucky just blew them off the court. Well, that's kind of what happened last night between North Carolina and Tennessee. 
to hold on and defeat the Volunteers 100 to 92. The Tariels do not have a field goal. <laughs> that, well, that was the worst edit of a final call in the history. <laughs> they of they any... won with 100 free throws. My goodness. Um, they didn't have a field goal in like the final five minutes. It was a 61 to 39 game at half. And they ended up winning 100 to 92. Uh, there was a couple of upsets in the top 25 last night. Virginia beat Texas A&M 59 to 47, and of course we mentioned that Duke game. And in do we, we we still care about what's going on in the Big 12 in in hoops, right? So in addition to the Oklahoma game tonight, you also get Texas Tech at Butler. That's at 5:30 this evening. Oklahoma State has had a rough start to the season. They host Creighton, and then. Texas battles Texas State. There's an also hold on. There's a big one in the top twenty-five tonight. UConn's got a um, UConn's got a big game coming. Maybe that's tomorrow night. Yeah, number one is UConn in the t- number four. There it is. UConn is at Kansas in the Big East Big Twelve battle tomorrow night. Defending national champs, seven and zero, number four in the country, travel to Allen Fieldhouse to take on Kansas tomorrow night. I'm so oh, sorry, Connecticut. You you'll You'll soon understand what the rest of us know about Fogholland Fieldhouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hit big story number three. Number three. A lot of news in the National Football League, including an interesting game tonight, Josh. You get the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle still holding on to that final playoff spot. In a weekend ahead of us that doesn't feature a lot of big games outside of the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers, what do you make of this matchup tonight? Dallas at 8-3. and three. This seems to be one of those prime spots for one of two things to happen. Either an incredible Dallas letdown or an absolute Seattle, uh, an absolute Dallas blowout, a Seattle implosion. I don't think there's a gray area here. Yeah, and what Geno are we going to get? You know, <laughs> I, how healthy is he? Uh, I, I still think this is a, a capable Seattle team, though I'm starting to lose uh, confidence in any of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would expect uh, – I, I mean, I expect Dallas to win by a couple of scores, but it's a Thursday night game, and, you know, Seattle's starting to get a little desperate. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, Josh, a couple of other notes here. Kyle Shanahan was asked about that big Philly-San Francisco matchup. Uh, you at all that you guys are the favorites going into this game. If they're the home team, they, they've lost one game, but you're the favorites. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I don't really know how that stuff works, so I don't really know why. Meanwhile, it is random. <laughs> Kyle Shannon busting himself out as a non-gambler. It's like, I don't know how that works. Somehow we're a favorite. Who cares? Bryce Young on his coach getting fired. We all take ownership, uh, especially offensively. It's all of us. I think we all we all look in the mirror. We all, you know, there's all things that we could have done better. We all wanted to do better. It's a collective unit. There's no finger pointing from players, coaches, nothing. Like, we all could have been better, and we have to improve. And then Jerry Jones on the Eagles. What have I done to deserve this? <laughs> why can't that ball Why can't that ball bounce uh, the right way? Uh, all of those things go through your mind. Uh, but uh, it uh, just reminds me of all of the ways that you are involved in, in many, many perspectives of the NFL and the impact of games. And, of course, uh, <clears throat> you think uh, <clears throat> that uh, uh, you've got to have this team, you've got to win this game if you've got the opportunity. Yeah, 
Wow. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Prophetic stuff as we moved along. There. It was pretty good at the start, though. It's, uh, it's it was a- off to a good start, then it faded quickly. All right, before we get to big story number two, one more cut from the NFL. Tom Brady stands firm on his take that the NFL product kind of stinks right now. The pro game is is reflecting more of what the college game is, as opposed to the college game reflecting what the pro game is. We're asking now pro players to play college football, and that's the biggest difference I see. There's This is way more checkers now than it is chess. I, I like checkers. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, a little easier to it's understand. I don't I don't have to worry about what the rook can and can't do or if the bishop can move forward or the queen. What, what's wrong with it? Though it's funny, you know, Brady's complaining about that, yet the NFL has never been more popular. So which is it? Do we need to get back to it being more, oh, I don't even know what the term would be, Josh, precise, challenging or whatever? Or... Are, are we headed in a direction where it's going to be okay for the NFL? Do you worry about the product at all? I I don't know. I don't worry I about don't the product know. at all. Are you kidding me? It's uh, as popular, more popular than it's ever been. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think it's a great look for Brady. I Maybe it was better then. I don't know. I mean, when you get into the comparing eras debate is probably a losing fight. Meanwhile, breaking news this morning. Von Miller is accused of assaulting his pregnant girlfriend, oh, which is no. a third-degree felony. He has, an aw- he has a warrant out for his arrest in Dallas. Story worth keeping an eye on. All right, big story number two. Number two. All right, so uh, let's reset our portal conversation because there is a new name that has entered the transfer portal. DJ Uliangalale, quarterback, Oregon State. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like he's another one of those dudes that's been in college for 100 years. But, much like Will Howard, he hasn't ruled out the possibility, Josh, of the NFL. And I think this is smart. Guys like Howard, guys like DJ, guys like Riley Leonard, they get in the portal. Now, Leonard has a do not contact, so you imagine he knows where he's going. But I imagine these guys get in there and they – you know, essentially look at it and say, huh, let's see if I can make a little bit more from a college team and a place I want to play as opposed to, you know, where my draft stock might be, if that's going to end up making me more money. Where's he going to wind up at? I don't know. Did he – he kind of, as my brother-in-law would say, he kind of pootered out, pooted out as the season progressed. That – uh Sounds and smells like a perfect $2 million Husker quarterback to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of that, here's what Matt Rule said about quarterbacks in the portal. Make no mistake that a, a good quarterback in the portal costs, you know, a million to a million five to $2 million right now. So just just, just on the same page, right? So let's, let's make sure we all understand what's happening. You know, there's some teams that have six, six or $7 million players playing for them. So we just kind of believe in doing things like the old school way, the hard way, building. But that doesn't mean we won't look at people in the portal. It doesn't, I mean, it's just we did it last year, right? It just means they have to be clearly an impact player for us if they're like a one-year player, or they have to be someone that has multiple years to get in our program and develop. Hey, hold so, up a second here. Yep. Is he saying there's teams that have $6 million players or a collection of players that are worth 6 or $7 million? I don't think there's a $6 million player in college football. No way, right? 
There's not. That's not reality, bro. It's got to be a collection of them, right? Well, I mean, maybe Caleb Williams got this incredible deal when he first went to USC, but, I mean, let's not treat Caleb Williams as any sort of example for college football. True. Very true. Uh, We asked George Stoya earlier about what he thought Oklahoma might target in the portal, which gets us here to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. But just to kind of carry that over, Brent Venables has often said he doesn't want to be a program that is built on the portal. He wants to be a program that's built on their development and have that foundation of high school recruiting. But what would you say? Ashton Cozart went into the portal the other day out of Oregon. Name worth keeping an eye on. You feel like, even though I – Travis always points this out. There's like 800 wide receivers that Oklahoma's bringing in over the next couple of years. I mean, every every time I see a commit, I feel like it's a wide receiver. And we expect Andrew Anthony to return for Oklahoma too next season. But if I'm thinking a position, maybe something on the offensive line because Bill Biedenboe has always been active in the portal, right, and finding guys that he likes. So maybe, maybe OU is looking in the portal there. But I would definitely think, what, a corner? Depending on what Billy Bowman does, maybe another Reggie Pearson type in the portal as well? Offensive, defensive line, you're always looking there. So Defensive the, tackle, yeah. D- defensive tackle, they could absolutely use some help, though. I think uh, both Stone and Jaden Jackson are going to step in, and I think they're going to play uh, day one. Now, how much, we'll see, right? But uh, they could use some help there on the interior for sure. Could use another edge guy. Offensive line, they need help just about anywhere you look. Right. You, you could you could talk me into tackle. You could talk me into guard. You could talk me into center. I mean, they need help along the offensive line. And then I think you nailed it. Corner, definitely. Uh, I think they'll get help. And maybe even uh, maybe safety, uh, just defensive backfield in general. Maybe. Maybe. I, um, I think you're right. And I think that's probably going to be something they'll look at may, uh, probably about every year. Find a guy that – and listen, I, I haven't done the – wrap up on what Reggie Pearson meant to this team or how much of an impact he seemed to have. It felt like he had a pretty good year. I mean, in all honesty, I also kind of felt like I didn't see him that much late in the season. But I I kind of feel like that's going to be a place where you'll consistently add a body year in and year out, even with a, a solid recruiting class, just to have more depth in the secondary. So Cozart is in the transfer portal? Yeah. Six three buck ninety five, you know, blue chip former kid, commit. former commit. I, I see all that, and yet I kind of feel like for Oklahoma, you're at the point where now you've supplemented depth a little bit, right? You've got a couple of proven guys, obviously coming back. I think in the portal at wide receiver, you go proven production, given the way that you've recruited and what you already have on campus. That that would be me. I, I think if you find somebody that has. 800 receiving yards from this season, a 1,000-yard receiver. Right. Like, if, if there's somebody that's a bona fide game changer, obviously you would take. But other than that, I don't know that you're going for unproven out of the portal at wide receiver. Mm, agreed. And, by the way, also in big story number one, Dylan Gabriel is a Manning Award finalist. A finalist for the best quarterback in college football. Not bad. Meanwhile, we have the All-Big 12 team. There wasn't a Sooner that won, um, like, an award 
it's like a reward, Josh. But there wasn't a Sooner that actually won an award. But you did have on the first team Drake Stoops, which I think was uh, not not surprising, right? If there was anyone who earned their spot in the All Big Twelve team, it was uh, it was definitely Drake Stoops down the stretch. Dylan yep. Gabriel was first team quarterback, and who else was here on the first team that I left? Oh, that was it. Defensively, you had uh, obviously Stutzman Bowman, right? And then we didn't go in depth on the second team, but here you go. Andrew Rain, second team offensive lineman. Ethan Downs, second team defense. Um, Nick Anderson. Now, I, I don't know if I've seen this on these awards before, but they've added, like if they were honorable mention for the actual player of the year or freshman of the year awards. Yeah, basically the honorable mention for Oklahoma. Anybody else that played was honorable mention. <laughs> let, let me roll through this here. Nick Anderson, honorable mention for wide receiver and offensive freshman of the year. Billy Bowman was an honorable mention for defensive player of the year. Ethan Downs was an honorable mention for defensive lineman of the year. Dylan Gabriel, honorable mention for offensive player of the year. Kip Lewis, honorable mention for a defensive freshman of the year. And then Andrew Rame, honorable mention for offensive lineman of the year. The rest of these players were honorable mention at their position. Rondell Bothroyd, Isaiah Coe, Kendall Dolby, Dolby, excuse me, Jalil Farouk, Gavin Freeman, Tyler Guyton, Kip Lewis as well, McCade Matoyer, Walter Rouse, Gavin Sawchuck, Tawi Walker, Woody Washington, and Gentry Williams. <laughs> See, yeah, you're right, Josh. Just about anyone who took some reps were honorable mention for That's Oklahoma. Right. All right, so there you have it. There's our top five stories of the day. When we come back, we'll spend a couple of segments getting through the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right here on The Ref. Mop and Roofing brings us our number three. It's the Plank Show. We're back, everybody. Welcome back. Mop and Roofing and Construction, they got you covered, Oklahoma. Give Bob Moppin and his team a call, 405-703-3843. Moppin Roofing, a full-service company, family-owned and operated with over 35 years of experience, insurance specialists that can help with fire, flood remediation work, fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Again, that's Moppin Roofing, Bob Moppin and the team, 405-703-3843. To the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Jesse G., I feel like DJ was at Oregon State on a $150,000 NIL deal and heard Matt Rule talk yesterday and dove headfirst into the portal. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. Wait These a guys minute. getting paid what? Hold up. How much did he get? Yeah, I'm going to hit the portal right about now. Wait wait a second. You guys paid for Jeff Sims? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, nah, I'm going into the portal. Okay, so that's a really good point, by, by the way, off off a side on that. Do you remember how many people were like, dude, got to go get Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that uh, I hope yeah, no one's going to listen. No one's going to listen. You're going to get drunk off a guy in the, in, the, in the portal and say, we need him. And the next thing you know, it's. 
Jeff Sims. You know, well, it's just not every guy is good. And I like Jeff Sims coming out of the portal too, Josh. If I'm you, talking to me as well. If you if you could go back and read all of the pieces on Jeff Sims is going to do this at Nebraska, and oh my gosh, that Iowa offense is fixed. They got Cade McNamara and Eric. You just you can't live in the off season, right? You got to live off uh, results on the actual field itself. I agree. Agreed. From the 405, Eric and Lindsay. Competitive balance is and has never been a part of college football or college athletics in general. It would do away with a huge element of the sport. It takes away from the brand. Coaches recruit the best players they can recruit. They develop and coach those players to win games and to win championships. And along the way, if you're successful, you develop a culture and you become dominant. Once you achieve desired culture, you have developed your brand. It's all part of the competitiveness of college sports. As a Sooner fan, competitive balance is the last thing I want. Um, I think it's a fun conversation. I think it's a fair conversation to have. I don't know how fun it is, but... You know, is it is it the NCAA's job to still try to make sure everyone's on the same playing field? Like, I'll tell you what I think is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. Is when you play a regional baseball game or softball game at the home stadium of that team, we're supposed to pretend like it's all neutral. <laughs> It's like there's no in-game hype. There, you're, you're not supposed to do any of your normal stuff. There's no walk-up. I mean, it's just it's dumb. It's like you're playing in their stadium, okay? I appreciate the attempt, but last I checked, they get to go home and sleep in their beds. There's an inherent advantage to it. That's one little tiny thing, right? But it's just it's almost as if we do we're incredibly extra to try to make sure that, oh, look, we're being fair here. And I don't necessarily know if that's something that is reality, Josh, across the board. And it's never going to be reality in college football. Never. Well, and, you know, what does equal look like? What does competitive balance look ding, like? Ding, ding, ding. You, you could try all you want, but uh, if we've learned anything about college sports, it's that uh, Michigan's going to have a manifesto. <laughs> or, or at least a fan crazy enough to write a manifesto. Um can you hit that one from the 405 about Sweet Reese? Yeah. Reese like Davis that. had a great point the other night. Criticized the results, but the results aren't an indication that the teams who made it weren't deserving of it regarding the 19-point or so average margin of victory in the semifinals. We could still have one heck of a fight today with Georgia fans over OU getting in in 2018 over Georgia. We could have, and 2019 for that matter, too. I think 2019 is – was that Alabama fan that was mad? Anyway, I, I get my angry SEC fan bases confused. But, you know, it's funny because now what did – what did they come out and say over the weekend? Well, we're not about getting the most deserving. We're about getting the best four. So I, it's almost as if, like – I went back, Josh, just because you and I were joking about it the other day. I went back and really listened to Boot Corrigan, both on ESPN and in his press conference. I think we just got to stop doing those. Because I'm not kidding. The man said nothing. <laughs> it's pointless, isn't it? The man said nothing. 
I, I, I was, I almost was in awe. It's a 19 minute press conference. It's, you can all find it at collegepressbox.com. It's a teleconference. It's a teleconference, which number one, how can we not be in a world where you're at least doing this on Zoom yet, which is hilarious? No. But. <laughs> It's the college football playoff. There's too much money involved. It's got to right. be a teleconference. And then, Lisa, you, you could say, well, we only have 30 minutes on Zoom, so you guys got to make this quick. But literally, someone would say, hey, what's the what's the thin margin or what's the difference between how you view Alabama and, and Texas right now, right? And they'll give you a word salad that literally has no dressing or anything. It's just you're like, what are, what are we even talking about here? At some point, because, you know, we're just really excited about the games. And you're like, what? So, I, I I appreciate what Reese is saying. But even saying they weren't deserving of it, well, now we're being told that it's not even about the most deserving. It's about the best four teams. Josh, I'm telling you right now, no one wants to believe me. They are setting it up that if Alabama beats Georgia, that both teams are getting in. I think that's what they're doing. Georgia probably should go if they lose. They might not deserve to based on they're not a conference champion and this and that, but you're talking about the two-time defending champion that polished off a perfect regular season. If they lose a close game, they probably are one of the four best teams still. I am here for absolute chaos. And, again, we haven't had it this year, right? Here's what I'm here for. Florida State and Michigan winning. Sorry, I know that hurts you, Josh, with the Iowa content, but you got Caitlin Clark for those page views. I think we're okay, right? <laughs> Thanks, yeah. I, I see how it is. <laughs> no, but I want Michigan and Florida State to win. And then I want Georgia to beat or get beat by Alabama. And I want Oregon to beat Washington. So that way you have the two undefeated teams that everyone's been trying to drop and then essentially, what, six one-loss teams vying for two spots? Bro, that's the point where I think Florida State might not make it. I'm not even kidding. And you could get mad at me and say they're not going to leave out an undefeated Power 5 team. I'm there with you. I don't think they should. Power 5 stops existing after this year. So maybe their mindset is already gone. That's what I want. Give me Michigan and Florida State staying undefeated than trying to decide between Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, and Washington for those final two spots. All right, Boo, and now uh, will you do a song and a dance and please squirm for us? You know, we were just really excited about the matchup and thought it was a fun game. And, uh, you know, when it came down to all the things we looked at, it just um, it just uh, really felt like it was uh, Oregon that deserved to be in. Okay, well, what things did you look at, Boo? You know, we got a lot of different things that we look at, a lot of different uh, numbers, and then there's the debate about the team. And, uh, you know, that, that's what it comes to. It's almost, what's... it's almost as though they've sent him to a class. All right. Yeah. Here's how you say absolutely zilch. Hey, hey, Boo, can you take us through what anal- – no, actually, I oh, I have this cut. It's on my other computer. The guy says, can you specifically tell <laughs> us what anal- what numbers matter a lot to this committee – and, and and what you really look at. And so Bill Hancock didn't jump in because the guy had asked, like, a speculative <laughs> question. And then Boo literally said, you know, we got a lot of things that we look at that really matter a lot to us. So, like, 
<laughs> well, but, but specifically, well, yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, we got a lot of things that we look at. Just, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to go off on a rant on that 405, but uh, it's a good point. All right, we'll continue with the text next. We're live from Cavens Emergency Response Group. Gary is all about the community. Earlier today, they made a big donation to the United Way. Thanks to Darren Wilson for coming by and talking about the United Way. You know you need this number stored in your phone, 405-573-3048. It's the Plank Show. My man, Chris Rainey. He cracks me up. I got. He hit me up on the super secret text toast a lot. He said, "Literally, Boo Corrigan says we look at everything, every other sentence. Like what, Boo? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, you know, we look at everything. That's he's. <laughs> what are you looking at, Boo? Ah, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit of everything. We look at everything. I mean, everything is taken into consideration. I, you know, you know, one thing that has started to get on my last nerve too. Go you know, ahead. This is so dumb, but I'm going to share it with you. Okay." I'm sick of Reese Davis saying the final exam's almost here. Can you say anything other than the final exam is almost here? We okay. get it. There's one more playoff ranking coming out next week. Can I also add something that I, I, I'm starting to have a problem? And I would do it too. So when I say it, I hate me. So this would make a lot of sense because I would probably do the same thing. We tries to get in some little buddy, buddy Barb as the last question, right? It's like, will you guys make sure you enjoy all that hotel bacon or those hotel coffee? I'll be there for you. We'll see you this weekend, buddy. It's like, what? It's like every single little closing thing is, well, Boo, I know you guys will be enjoying it and uh, debating it and just having a blast, right? It's like, I don't want him to have a blast. I want it to be painful. And really, he's <laughs> mostly doing a great job, you know, and – because I get it. In in, in that seat, you, you do some dorky things sometimes. But. I'm, that's what I said. I'm calling myself out. I would do the same thing. I'd have hate on Twitter. Okay, let, let me pose this to you real quick, because we didn't do a lot with with Joe John and Seth being elevated this week. Most of this show since Tuesday night has been all talk about them in, in text. So it, today we've started to dive into a couple of other topics. Do you feel like Texas is being screwed? I think Texas should be in the college football playoff if they win. So if they're not, then, yeah, I would say yes. And I guess maybe I'll go a step further. Should they be five or six right now over Oregon? Uh, yeah, I would entertain that argument. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I think they've got – they clearly have a better win. Here is – and, again, I, I – People probably get tired of me bringing it up. I'm like, let's get Adam on tomorrow. I'll, I'll call Adam McClintock. We'll get him on. We haven't talked yeah, to him in a long that's time. That's a great question. Why is Oregon ranked in front because, of Texas? So here's what it is, and here's what, if you follow Dave Bartu on Twitter at CFB Matrix, he's made this point every single week. They love game control. Game control is, to them, number one, number one. Strength of schedule, very much down low. So when we look at something like Oklahoma, our Texas' strength of schedule, pretty impressive. Well, it one at Tuscaloosa is better than, oh, well, they lost uh, to Washington, but it was a great game. And, and here's the other thing. Oklahoma's a good football team. I know some of you don't want to believe it, but OU's a good football team. So that's not a terrible loss in a rivalry game on a neutral site. Yeah, it's not massively different than losing to Washington. True. Um, but they love Oregon, man. Jeff Schwartz, who I work with quite a bit, 
he says, well, it's about time we get the benefit of the doubt. Y'all have been crushing the Pac-12 for years and years and how it's undeserving, and I'm okay with him getting a little bit of a break here, which is fine, right? Last year, all right, maybe a little sympathy for it. But I'm, I think five and six should be Texas and Oregon. That's me. I think Alabama should be eight. Actually, I think Ohio State should be eight, and that's probably really unfair. But we'll find out. Someone had said, uh, someone had brought up, let's get the let's get the big time disaster theory. Iowa beats Michigan, yes. and Louisville beats Florida State. That's right. Let's go, baby. Would Iowa then become the first ever two loss team to make the college football? Playoffs? Absolutely not. But it would be pretty exciting to watch, wouldn't it? Gunny writes. Can we have a transformer blow about 10 minutes before kickoff of the Tiny 12 championship game while the sewers are backing up inside Jerry's world? This is what I'll be rooting for, fellas. Um, as much as I think Oklahoma State's going to get smoked, the number is now up to 15 and a half. So it's starting to get into that range where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit just blatantly disrespectful. It's one thing to basically think they're going to win. It's a completely other thing to kind of lay out, oh, I think they might win by 20. With uh, everything that's on the line, and, I mean, look, Ollie Gordon's an incredible player. If if Texas goes out and and covers that number, I will be highly impressed. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I do. Um, What? No, Trevor, what are you talking about? I, I, I was looking at the text line, and another text popped up. Um, the 918. Guys, has anyone considered one positive aspect of NIL being a potential deterrent to the NFL jumping? Football is littered with players who need the money bad enough to jeopardize their amateur status only to not make an NFL team. Maybe now players will play in bowl games and return for one more season. Uh, yes, you're telling on yourself that you didn't listen hour or two of this show. Go to the podcast, listen to hour two of this show. Because that's we spent a long time on it, right? We played the Matt. Well, actually, that would be the end of hour one. I'm sorry. We played the Matt Rule audio, and I laid out the numbers. You, you know, Jake Hayner in the transfer portal from Fresno State last year probably could have made that two to two and a half million dollars, right? He gets, uh, well, actually, he gets paid nothing right now because he got busted for PEDs. But he's got, uh, over his four-year contract, which he could make $4 million, he only has 704000 in guarantees. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, four-year, $4.2 million deal as a seventh-round pick. Sounds good. Only 342000 in guarantees. So who's to say that it might not be more profitable to say anyway? But, yeah, we had a fun conversation about that. And then the 405 writes, why would UGA deserve to get in? The past two years don't matter, and their fans deserve not getting in. Talk to Pete Futek, college football news the other night. He feels the same way you do. History doesn't matter in this, right, Josh? It's not supposed to, no. But, look, when you're talking about humans sitting in a room and they've seen Georgia win back-to-back national championships, I'm here to tell you, it's going to matter. Uh, oh, I said one more. One more quick one here. I subscribe to the thought that Seth Luttrell was brought in knowing that Jeff Levy would be a head coach in the not-too-distant future. 
you like the co-offensive court, offensive coordinator tag, is just OU's way of setting themselves up for the future. When Seth gets a head coaching job after a couple of years, the next man for the job, Joe John Finley, has been helping run the show. Hasn't left OU for an OC tag elsewhere, and then is also ready with more experience. It sets OU up for years of uninterrupted offensive coordinator versus having to hire a new OC every two years that you would get from the sexy hire climbing the ladder. Yeah, it's stability. Again, I say this. I think it's the absolute dumbest thing I've ever heard is people that are freaking out over the co-tag. We have three. We have two co-defensive coordinators on this team. It's been the way since they were hired. Someone texted earlier. It's like, well, it was the way that it was announced. Oh, you didn't announce it until yesterday, dude. So then it was in that way, the way that it was reported, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, if, if we have to explain how a co-offensive coordinator works, I don't really – I don't know if you all have been paying too much attention. There's one guy that calls the plays, and that's how it works. It's not like there's a fight before kickoff. we got a break. We'll put a wrap on the Plank Show with final thoughts from Primrose Funeral Services next. <laughs> final segment, as always, is brought to you by Primrose Funeral Services. Primrose Funeral Services, final thoughts. Ten years of service – wait, math – 80 years of service – their sincere commitment is to make things a little easier for you and your family. Primrose Funeral Services, 405-321-6000. Protect your loved ones from hard financial and emotional decisions. Pre-plan today, 405-321-6000. All right. There's a name in the portal that I find interesting, but I'm not going to get too carried away, Josh Helmer. UCF cornerback Fred Davis is in the portal. Now, um, he started his career at Clemson. A couple of picks as a freshman in 2020. Four-star recruit, has two years of eligibility, but wasn't necessarily a game changer at UCF. But like I said to me, Josh, I'm looking for ties. I'm looking for angles. So maybe when we talk about corners, maybe that's a name to keep an eye on. Maybe. It could be. It could be. All right. We got to go. We got to get out of here. We got to get out. Josh, have a great rest of your, what is today? Thursday. You too, my friend. Thanks to Gary for having us out. Cavensgroup.com, 405-573-3048. It's a Plank Show right here on The Ref.